So in this episode, I want to talk about why a sizable portion of the country thinks that there were some shenanigans with the recent elections. Um, they might not think, or they might think, they might think the election was stolen. They might not think the election was stolen, but they distrust the system. And I'm going to explain why. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so as I said in the introduction, I want to explain why a large portion of the country Many millions, tens of millions of people think that something went wrong with the election. And I'm going to explain it this way. I found this fascinating little bit. It was a, a, a clip from Tucker Carlson that was posted on Getter. Getter is the new Twitter. Um, it is uh, fairly new. You can sign up. It's the Wild West of Twitter, okay, for particularly for those that have been ousted by Twitter because they're conservative. I'm on there. I'm at Darren Gerdes, D-A-R-I-N-G-E-R-D-E-S. Come on and follow me. Okay, so this follows a Twitter thread by someone named Daryl Cooper. I've never heard of him. Tucker Carlson was reading a number of his tweets. I'm going to read all of the tweets here, okay? And what he did in about 30 tweets, he laid out the case, the way that conservatives see this. Now, I don't care if you're conservative or liberal. That's not the point here. I want you to think in terms of fairness, okay? Because what's going on here is that there's an issue in the academic literature called organizational justice, not social justice, organizational justice. And I'm going to define it, and then I'm going to use that as the framework by which we understand why conservatives feel that the way that they do about the election. It's not just sour grapes about having lost. You can take a loss if you believe the, the system was fair. But if you don't believe that what happened was fair, then you, you have a very different visceral reaction. And I'm going to explain that. Okay. In fact, by the way, there was, this is so um, compelling that the Washington Post answered it. The Washington Post answered it with an article entitled, quote, the virtual Twitter thread that explains what right-wing conspiracy theorizing, if only inadvertently. So they're, you know, making the case that right-wingers are all a bunch of wingnuts, and this is why. But I'm going to go into that. I'm going to read you all of the Twitter tweets that he posted. and But I want to frame it first with this. Organizational justice. What is organizational justice? Okay, so there is a academic theory. It's rooted in equity theory. Uh, Adams is a big name in equity theory in about 1965. And equity theory just means like, if I see that we have essentially comparable stuff in the organization, like I'm paid about the same thing, about the same amount that you are for the same work, I'm satisfied. If I'm paid too much, I feel guilty. If I'm paid too little, I feel like angry. Okay. So that's organizational justice. Now it's concerned with matters of fairness and it can be broken down into about three basic parts, maybe four, depending on how you define it. Okay. But the three parts are distributive justice, interactional justice, and procedural justice. Now, we're familiar with distributive justice, okay? Um, 
Distributive justice is, is essentially the kind of thing that social justice is concerned with, but they stop there. Distributive justice is focused with the perceived fairness of the outcome, okay? And so what social justice will do, they'll look around in society and think, hey, this group isn't achieving the same as that group, so therefore, de facto, it's unjust, okay? So they are going to only look at the outcome. Equity is the term that they're going to use and look at if everything's not coming out to the same answer, then there must be a problem without looking at the inputs. That's distributive justice. So now distributive justice isn't bad. As far as it goes, I mean, if the outcomes aren't the same, if the outcomes aren't similar, there may be something going on. Okay, so just hold on. Now we get to interactional justice. Okay, interactional justice is focused on the respect or lack of respect given in the process. So if people feel disrespected, even if the outcome is the same, they feel like this isn't a just process. That makes sense, right? Okay. And then the third factor is procedural justice. And that's focused on the process by which the outcome is actually achieved. Now, that's what we're going to focus on here. Is the process something different? Is the process changing the rules or changing the nature of the game? Okay. And so you have to have all three of these factors in order to feel that something is just. Okay. So that brings us over to the Twitter feed. And in the Twitter feed, this guy, again, his name, and I, I haven't heard of this guy before, but he lays out a really interesting case. His name is Daryl Cooper. Okay. And he says this, and I'm going to read, I'm going to just go right through quote after quote. It's about 30 of them. He says this, I think I've had discussions with enough boomer tier Trump supporters who believe that the 2020 election was fraudulent to extract a general theory about their perspective. It is also the perspective of most people at the Capitol on 1-6 and probably even Trump himself. Okay, now 1-6 was the uh, insurrection, if you believe the uh, press. I mean, how many people try an insurrection by doing that? Or what was a legitimately a riot? It was. It, I mean, it's no no less than a riot, right? I mean, that was bad. Shouldn't have done that. Um, I believe that the people that were going in there were going in to try to protest, to shout them down, to tell them you you got to change this, not to try to take over the government. Like if you're going to take take over the government, that was pretty weak, right? Okay, so. 1-6, the people that had that attitude on 1-6 and most Trump supporters, like I've had a lot of conversations with friends that are like, dude, what's going on? Why is the, can you trust the elections? Those kind of, uh, of questions have been asked. So, okay, that's the first tweet. The second one, most believe some or all of the theories involving midnight ballots, voting machines, etc. But what you find when you talk to them is that while they'll defend those positions with info that they got from Hannity or Breitbart or whatever, they're not particularly attached to them. Okay, that's true. Some people believe it more than others. Some people believe all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories. And then some people are like, you know, I just, something just stinks. The way that this was done, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Now, let me pause for a second and say this. If you are on the left hand, left side of the spectrum, okay, if you are not a conservative, because this, what I'm about to read will ring true to conservatives. If you're on the left, what I want you to do is just follow the golden rule. Imagine that this was happening to your side, that it was the mean-spirited Republicans that were doing this to you, okay? The golden rule is, you know, do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. If the right wing was perceived to be doing this to your side, you'd be screaming bloody murder. Just, just listen with an open mind.
Okay, so that was number two. Number three, here are the facts, actual and confirmed, that shaped their perspective. One, the FBI, etc., spied on the 2016 Trump campaign using evidence manufactured by the Clinton campaign. We now know all involved knew that it was fake from day one. See Brennan's 20, uh, July 2016 memo. Okay, so if you knew that the Trump campaign was spying, using the FBI to spy on the Biden campaign, you'd be going nuts, right? Okay, next. These are Tea Party people, the types who give their kids a pocket constitution for their birthday and have founding fathers memes in their bios, the intel community spying on a presidential campaign using fake evidence, including forged documents, is a big deal to them. Hey, that's me. That's describing me. I'm the guy giving my kids the pocket constitution. We go over it as we homeschool. Okay, that's telling you where I'm coming from. I studied the founding fathers. I did my doctoral dissertation on the founding fathers. So yeah, that right. that's right. This is a big deal to people like us. It might not be to the other side if they want to have a living, breathing constitution or remake or tear down the system. But to the conservatives, it's a big thing. Okay, get to the next one. Everyone involved lied about their involvement as long as they could. We only learned the DNC paid for the manufactured evidence because of a court order. Comey denied it on TV, knowing that the DNC paid for it, when we have emails from a year earlier proving that he knew. It's like there's a conspiracy. It feels like, at least, that there's a conspiracy. There's at least some people trying to hide that they did these things. This was true with everyone from CIA Director Brennan and admin, uh, Adam Schiff, who were on TV saying that they seen clear evidence of collusion with Russia, while admitting under oath behind closed doors that they hadn't. All the way down the line, in the end, we learned that it was all fake. Okay, next. At first, many Trump people were worried that there must be some collusion because every media and intel agency wouldn't make it up out of nothing. When it was clear that they had made it up, people expected a reckoning and shed many illusions about their government when it didn't happen. Now, imagine that that happened to your side. You're a liberal. You are, let, let's say this happened to Bernie Sanders and you were a Sanders supporter and you found out that the Trump campaign was scuttling Sanders by doing this. You'd be livid. Okay, so this is just a stage building up to it. Next, we know as facts, A, the Steele dossier was uh, the sole evidence used to justify spying on the Trump campaign. B, the FBI knew that the Steele dossier was a DNC op. C, Steele source told the FBI the info was unserious. D, they did not inform the court of any of this and kept spying. Okay, so they're using and abusing the system in order to try to overturn the election four years ago. Okay, next. Trump supporters know the collusion case front and back. They went from worrying about, whoa, collusion must be real, to suspecting it might be fake, to realizing it was a scam, then watching as every institution... Agencies, the press, Congress, academia, gaslit them for another year. Look, let's say you're on the left. You don't feel that that actually happened. The right does. Okay, so conservatives feel like, what was going on here? Now imagine that that was happening to your guy. How would you feel? 
Okay, next. Worse, collusion was used to scare people away from working in the administration. They knew their entire lives would be investigated. Many quit because they were being bankrupted by legal fees. The DOJ, press, the government destroyed lives and actively subverted an elected administration. This is America. That's supposed to be happening in like Cuba, which is actually overthrowing or working to overthrow its, gov its socialist communist government right now. Okay. Wow. This is actually happening to American citizens. Okay. Next. This is where people whose political identity was largely defined by a naive belief in what they learned in civics class began to see the outline of a regime that crossed all institutional boundaries because it has stepped out of the shadows to unite against an interloper. So what's happening here is conservatives are going, whoa, this game is rigged. What's going on? Now, if that was happening to your guy, you'd be upset. Even if you were okay with the game being rigged, you'd be upset. Like for conservatives, you'd be upset if it was happening to you. Next, GOP propaganda still has many of them thinking in terms of partisan binaries, but a lot of Trump supporters see that the regime is not partisan. They all know that the same institutions would have been taken opposite sides if it was a Tulsi Gabbard versus Jeb Bush election. That is, they're saying that if an outsider, an interloper, somebody not from the establishment it was coming in that wasn't Trump, that had the same kind of attitude and demeanor that Trump had, it would have been attacking them too on the left if it was Tulsi Gabbard. By the way, GOP propaganda still has many of them thinking in partisan binaries. There is misinformation out there. Let's let's be honest. There there is QAnon or whatever else that is is uh, messing with us and causing us to to not know real facts and question real facts and believe facts that aren't true. That's not what we're talking about. There is really a establishment that wants to keep the establishment working the way the establishment has worked. Okay, go on to the next one. It is hard to describe to people on the left who are used to thinking of government as conspiracy, Watergate, Co-IntelPro, weapons of mass destruction, etc. How shocking and disillusioning this was for people who encourage their sons to enlist in the army and hate people who don't stand for the anthem. Look, the more patriotic you are, the more likely this was a slap in the face. This is, I mean, so you're getting people that, that have sincerely tried to do right by their country who are now being disillusioned and they're reacting to it. Next, they could have managed a shock if it was only government, but the behavior of the corporate press is what really radicalized them. They hate journalists more than they hate any politician or governmental official because they feel most betrayed by them. That's right. It's journalists. I mean, there's a re like Trump wasn't just ginning up the crowd when he was saying, "Look at these the for the press. Look how fake they are." The the crowd actually believed that, okay? Um and then corporate, I'm telling you, I, this this one resonates to me. Google has I mean, Google and Twitter and whatever, they have played the wrong cards because when Republicans are back in power, they're going to be in deep trouble if Republicans have any memory whatsoever. Okay, next. The idea that the press is driven by ratings and sensationalism became untenable. If that were true, they'd be all over the Epstein story. The corporate press is the propaganda arm of the regime that they now see in outline. Nothing anyone says will ever make them unsee that. 
period. And I think a lot of conservatives are waking up to, you know, conservatives, we believed for a long time, like private sector is good. The private sector can't do wrong. We, we really have to fear is the government. The liberals felt exactly the opposite. The government is safe and the private sector is the danger. I think a lot of conservatives are realizing that a concentration of power anywhere can be dangerous, and they're waking up to that. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Okay, next. This is profoundly disorienting. Many of them don't know for certain whether ballots were faked in November 2020, but they know for absolute certain that the press, the FBI, etc. would lie to them if there was. They have every reason to believe that, and it's probably true. Now, I can't talk to the veracity of that. I don't actually know whether it is, but I don't trust the system like I did before. And it's not because Trump lost. If Trump lost and none of the shenanigans had happened, none of the uh, changing of the rules and none of the, I can't get in to verify. Look, let people in to verify on both sides. Do, do, do everything to ensure procedural justice. And then if I lose, I lose. It's okay. Uh, there's always next election, but I don't trust the system now like I trusted the system just a few years ago. Okay, next. They watch the press behave like animals for four years. Tens of millions of people will always see Kavanaugh as a gang rapist based on nothing because of CNN. And CNN seems proud of that. They led a lynch mob against a high school kid. They cheered on a summer of riots. Now think about this. The news, which we were told is supposed to be unbiased, is actually very partisan. Now, it used to be partisan. It was partisan back in the day when Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson essentially had competing newspapers that were biased. That's fine. Have biased newspapers. Just say, I'm on this side, and the other one say, I'm on that side. That's perfectly fine. But if you're supposed to be unbiased, don't pretend to be unbiased and be biased. That's the real kicker. Okay, next. They always claimed that the media had liberal bias. Fine, whatever. They still thought that the press would admit truth if they were cornered. Now they don't. It's a different thing to watch them invent stories whole cloth in order to destroy regular lives and spark mass violence. Look, after the riots, after they turned a blind eye to uh, blind eye to Black Lives Matter violence, you know, it's it's hard to trust them. After they, you know, ran with the Russia gate for so long and there really wasn't anything behind it and they uh you know have went through an impeachment and there really wasn't anything so thing after thing after thing don't trust the press anymore okay time magazine told us that during the 2020 riots there were weekly conference calls involving among others leaders of the protests the local officials who refused to stop them and media people who framed them for political effect in Ukraine, we call that a color revolution. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, there's this collusion on, on the part of the media working with bad actors, working with politicians, and we're rightly skeptical at this point. Throughout the summer, Democrat governors took advantage of COVID to change the voting procedures. It wasn't just the mail-ins. They lowered signature matching standards. After the collusion scan, the fake impeachment, Trump people expected shenanigans by now. Okay, now let's, let's stop here for a second. We're about two-thirds through these tweets. Even if you don't believe any of this happened, 
how would you feel if this happened to your candidate? So the question is a question of facts, and we can work out the facts, but imagine how you would feel if this happened to you. Okay, next, reference fake impeachment. We now know that Trump's request for Ukraine to cooperate with the DOJ regarding Biden's monetary activities in Ukraine was in support of an active investigation being pursued by the FBI and Ukraine AG at the same time, and so a completely legitimate request. But of course, he's impeached for that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's crazy. Okay. Then you get the Hunter laptop scandal. Big tech ran a full-on censorship campaign against a major newspaper to protect a political candidate. Period. Everyone knows it. All the tech companies now admit it was a mistake. But you know, the election's over, so who cares? That's how they see it. But not us. Conservatives don't feel that at all. Conservatives feel like we've just had an election stolen. In the same way that um, Democrats, if you're a Democrat and you're listening to this, you know how you felt when you felt like a Supreme Court justice was stolen? And if you do, by the way, I wrote an article about that, and I'll link this below, about how that Supreme Court justice was baked into the voting of the, uh, the makeup of the Senate. You know how you feel like that Supreme Court justice seat was stolen by the Republicans? Conservatives feel like this election was stolen. How much more do they feel it? Okay, let me keep going. Goes without saying, but if the New York Times had Don Jr.'s laptop full of pics of him smoking crack and engaging in group sex, lots of lurid family drama, emails describing direct corruption, and backed up by the CEO of the company that they were using, the New York Times wouldn't have been banned. Probably right. The New York Times wouldn't have been banned. It would be everywhere. So we feel like there's a double standard here. Next, think back. Stories about Trump being pissed on by... Russian prostitutes and blackmailed by Putin were promoted as fact, and the only evidence was a document paid for by his opposition and disavowed by its source. The New York Post was banned for reporting on true information. They're banned for reporting on true information. So it just feels like one thing after another after another. We're just missing the justice here. Okay, next. The reaction of Trump people to all this was not no fair. That's how they felt about Romney's binders on women's in 2012. This is different. Now they see, correctly, that every institution is captured by people who will use any means to exclude them from the political process. Okay, going on. And yet they showed up in record numbers to vote. He got 13 million more votes than in 2016. 10 million more than Clinton got. As election night dragged on, they allowed themselves some hope. But when the four critical swing states, and only those states, went dark at midnight, they knew. That's right. You're seeing like, hey, how did it change just in these particular places? That makes you a little skeptical. But that's not the only thing. It's this whole, this to, to borrow a quote, this long train of abuses that you're seeing that makes you wonder about this particular piece. Okay, next. Over the ensuing weeks, they got shuffled around by grifters and media scam artists selling them conspiracy theories. They latched onto one, then another increasingly absurd theory as they try to put a concrete name on something very real. 
again, this is where I'm talking about like not everything that was out there was legit. There were fake stories. There were scam stories. There was QAnon. There's all kinds of misinformation out there. But they're but they're feeling like viscerally, viscerally feeling something's not right. Next, media and tech did everything to make things worse. Everything about the election was strange. The changes to procedure, unprecedented mail-in voting, the delays, etc. But rather than admit that and make everything transparent, they banned discussion of it. Even direct messages. Like, something seems wrong when big tech starts to do that in the name of, I don't know, transparency? Okay, next. Everyone knows that just as Don Jr.'s laptop would have been the story of the century if everything about the election dispute was the same, except the parties were reversed, suspicions about the outcome would have been taken very seriously. And again, this is what I'm trying to say. Conservatives feel this way for a reason. Please hear me. If you're on the left and you're listening to this, think about how you would have experienced this if it was reversed. Just just try. Have, have empathy for the other side and just try. And you'll see that you'd probably feel the same way too. Okay, next. Even the court's refusal of the case gets nowhere with them because of how the opposition embraced mass political violence. They'll say, with good reason, what judge will stick his neck out for Trump knowing he'll be destroyed by the media as a violent mob burns down his house? Wow. Now, that's that's really interesting. Like I, I gave the Supreme Court the benefit of that doubt, but as I think about that, I think, yeah, there's something to that. I mean... That the Supreme Court wouldn't take this up, I was thinking like, okay, well, they, they must have their reasons. But as I as I think about it more, a mature reflection, I think, yeah, you know what, they they f are feeling like they have no recourse. Remember during the um uh, the Chauvin trial, during the Chauvin trial, there were jurors who were going, you know what. I can't be part of this jury. I'm afraid for my family. What's going to happen if I if I if I do find the facts lead the other way? Okay. So, but this is part of the culture from the left. Okay. Uh, it is a fact, according to Time Magazine, that mass riots were planned in cities across the country if Trump won. Sure, they were protests, but they were planned by the same people as during the summer, and everyone knows what that would have meant. Judges have families too. Yep, I think there might be something there. I don't know for a fact, but it resonates. It fits the whole picture. Okay, forget the ballot conspiracies. It's a fact that governors use COVID un to unconstitutionally alter election procedures. The Constitution states that only legislatures can do so to help Biden make up for massive enthusiasm gap by gaming the mail-in ballot system. Look. There is something legitimate there that we violated the normal laws and something changed. Okay, so without that violation, would the election have gone the other way? We don't know, but I can't trust the soundness of the results. That's the trick. And if it happened the other way, you'd feel the same way too. Now, they knew that it was unconstitutional. It's right there in plain English. But they knew that the cases wouldn't see court until after the election. And what judge will toss millions of ballots because the governor broke the rules? The threat of mass riots wasn't implied. It was direct. Okay, a couple more. 
A, the entrenched bureaucracy and security state subverted Trump from day one. B, the press is part of the operation. C, election rules were changed. D, big tech censors opposition. E, political violence is legitimatized and encouraged. And F, Trump is banned from social media. Wow. Okay, next. They were led down some rabbit holes, but they are absolutely right that their government is monopolized by a regime that believes that they are beneath representation, and it will observe no limits to keep them getting it. Trump fans should be happy he lost. It might have kept him alive. That's the last one. Let me put it like this. Let's say that you are a liberal. And you have a conservative friend that you have thought was a right-wing nut job because he believed this stuff. If you believe this stuff, if you believe this package applied to your candidate, you would be rightly, legitimately upset. That's what's going on. Now, a lot of those facts are pretty well established now. And it's not just conspiracy theories like, you know, we know about Russian collusion wasn't really Russian collusion. By the way, if you believe that it really was Russian collusion, you probably need to do a little bit more homework. But let's say that you you believe this about your candidate. Where would you be? How would you be thinking? So understand why conservatives feel that the election was stolen. That's that's the first thing. And the second thing is understand that you would feel the same way if it happened to you. So, I wanted to frame this through the lens of organizational justice, the academic theory of organizational justice. And again, distributive justice is focused on the outcome. Outcome, we don't believe, was legit. Interactional justice, focused on respect. <laughs> Just respect from all quarters in all institutions. And then procedural justice is focused on the process of whether the outcome was achieved. The process looked unfair in many regards. So on all three categories of organizational justice, conservatives feel like the game was rigged and whether it was a legitimate election or not is at least in question, if not a bygone conclusion to some. So I want you to understand where they're coming from. Thank you for taking time to think through this with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to close with my quotation for contemplation for today. It comes from Samuel Johnson. He said this, nothing can be truly great, which is not right. I believe that to be true. Hey, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. If you like the show, please let me know. And I hope that helps you understand the nature of organizational justice and that you are even handed applying the golden rule to others with whom you interact. And I hope that helps you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow.